Chapter Forty One of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Yet, Cora, thou shalt from oblivion pass, erect thyself, thou monumental brass, high as the serpent of thy metal made, while nations stand secure beneath thy shade absalom and achitophel the morning which charles had spent in visiting the tower had been very differently employed by those unhappy individuals whom their bad fate and the singular temper of the times had made the innocent tenants of that state prison and who had received official notice that they were to stand their trial in the court of queen's bench at westminster on the seventh succeeding day the stout old cavalier at first only railed at the officer for spoiling his breakfast with the news but evinced great feeling when he was told that julian was to be put under the same indictment we intend to dwell only very generally on the nature of their trial which corresponded in the outline with almost all those which took place during the prevalence of the popish plot that is one or two infamous and perjured evidences whose profession of common informers had become frightfully lucrative made oath to the prisoners having expressed themselves interested in the great confederacy of the catholics a number of others brought forward facts or suspicions affecting the character of the parties as honest protestants and good subjects and betwixt the direct and presumptive evidence enough was usually extracted for justifying to a corrupted court and perjured jury the fatal verdict of guilty the fury of the people had however now begun to pass away exhausted even by its own violence the english nation differ from all others indeed even from those of the sister kingdoms in being very easily sated with punishment even when they suppose it most merited other nations are like the tamed tiger which when once its native appetite for slaughter is indulged in one instance rushes on in promiscuous ravages but the english public have always rather resembled what is told of the sleuth dog which eager fierce and clamorous in pursuit of his prey desists from it so soon as blood is sprinkled upon his path men's minds are now beginning to cool the character of the witnesses was more closely sifted their testimonies did not in all cases tally and a wholesome suspicion began to be entertained of men who would never say they had made a full discovery of all they knew but avowedly reserved some points of evidence to bear on future trials the king also who had lain passive during the first burst of popular fury was now beginning to bestir himself which produced a marked effect on the conduct of the crown council and even the judges sir george wakeman 
had been acquitted in spite of oates's direct testimony and public attention was strongly excited concerning the event of the next trial which chanced to be that of the peverils father and son with whom i know not from what concatenation little hudson the dwarf was placed at the bar of the court of king's bench it was a piteous sight to behold a father and son who had been so long separated meet under circumstances so melancholy and many tears were shed when the majestic old man for such he was though now broken with years folded his son to his bosom with a mixture of joy affection and a bitter anticipation of the event of the impending trial there was a feeling in the court that for a moment overcame every prejudice and party feeling many spectators shed tears and there was even a low moaning as if of those who weep aloud such as felt themselves sufficiently at ease to remark the conduct of poor little geoffrey hudson who was scarcely observed amid the preponderating interest created by his companions in misfortune could not but notice a strong degree of mortification on the part of that diminutive gentleman he had soothed his great mind by the thoughts of playing the character which he was called on to sustain in a manner which should be long remembered in that place and on his entrance had saluted the numerous spectators as well as the court with a cavalier air which he meant should express grace high breeding perfect coolness with a noble disregard to the issue of their proceedings but this little person was so obscured and jostled aside on the meeting of the father and son who had been brought in different boats from the tower and placed at the bar at the same moment that his distress and his dignity were alike thrown into the background and attracted neither sympathy nor admiration the dwarf's wisest way to attract attention would have been to remain quiet when so remarkable an exterior would certainly have received in its turn the share of public notice which he so eagerly coveted but when did personal vanity listen to the suggestions of prudence our impatient friend scrambled with some difficulty on the top of the bench intended for his seat and there paining himself to stand a tiptoe like chaucer's gallant sir chanticleer he challenged the notice of the audience as he stood bowing and claiming acquaintance of his namesake sir geoffrey the larger with whose shoulders notwithstanding his elevated situation he was scarcely yet upon a level the taller knight whose mind was occupied in a very different manner took no notice of these advances upon the dwarf's part but sat down with the determination rather to die on the spot than evince any symptoms of weakness before roundheads and presbyterians under which obnoxious epithets being too old-fashioned to find out party designations of newer date he comprehended all persons concerned in his present trouble 
by sir geoffrey the larger's change of position his face was thus brought on a level with that of sir geoffrey the less who had an opportunity of pulling him by the cloak he of martindale castle rather mechanically than consciously turned his head towards the large wrinkled visage which struggling between an assumed air of easy importance and an anxious desire to be noticed was grimacing within a yard of him but neither the singular physiognomy the nods and smiles of greeting and recognition into which it was wreathed nor the strange little form by which it was supported had at that moment the power of exciting any recollections in the old knight's mind and having stared for a moment at the poor little man his bulky namesake turned away his head without farther notice julian peveril the dwarf's more recent acquaintance had even amid his own anxious feelings room for sympathy with those of his little fellow-sufferer as soon as he discovered that he was at the same terrible bar with himself although he could not conceive how their causes came to be conjoined he acknowledged him by a hearty shake of the hand which the old man returned with affected dignity and real gratitude worthy youth he said thy presence is restorative like the nepenthe of homer even in this syncope of our mutual fate i am concerned to see that your father hath not the same alacrity of soul as that of ours which are lodged within smaller compass and that he hath forgotten an ancient comrade and fellow-soldier who now stands beside him to perform perhaps their last campaign julian briefly replied that his father had much to occupy him but the little man who to do him justice cared no more in his own phrase for imminent danger or death than he did for the puncture of a flea's proboscis did not so easily renounce the secret object of his ambition which was to acquire the notice of the large and lofty sir geoffrey peveril who being at least three inches taller than his son was in so far possessed of that superior excellence which the poor dwarf in his secret soul valued before all other distinctions although in his conversation he was constantly depreciating it good comrade and namesake he proceeded stretching out his hand so as to again to reach the elder peveril's cloak i forgive your want of reminiscence seeing it is long since i saw you at naseby fighting as if you had as many arms as the fabled briarius the knight of martindale who had again turned his head towards the little man and had listened as if endeavouring to make something out of his discourse here interrupted him with a peevish shaw shaw repeated sir geoffrey the less shaw is an expression of slight esteem nay of contempt in all languages and were this a befitting place but the judges had now taken their places the criers called silence and the stern voice of the lord chief justice 
the notorious scroggs demanded what the officers meant by permitting the accused to communicate together in open court it may here be observed that this celebrated personage was upon the present occasion at a great loss how to proceed a calm dignified judicial demeanour was at no time the characteristic of his official conduct he always ranted and roared either on the one side or the other and of late he had been much unsettled which side to take being totally incapable of anything resembling impartiality at the first trials for the plot when the whole stream of popularity ran against the accused no one had been so loud as scroggs to attempt to the character of oates or bedloe or any other leading witnesses he treated as a crime more heinous than it would have been to blaspheme the gospel on which they had been sworn it was a stifling of the plot or discrediting of the king's witnesses a crime not greatly if at all short of high treason against the king himself but of late a new light had begun to glimmer upon the understanding of this interpreter of the laws sagacious in the signs of the times he began to see that the tide was turning and that court favour at least and probably popular opinion also were likely in a short time to declare against the witnesses and in favour of the accused the opinion which scroggs had hitherto entertained of the high respect in which shaftesbury the patron of the plot was held by charles had been definitely shaken by a whisper from his brother north to the following effect his lordship has no more interest at court than your footman this notice from a sure hand and received but that morning had put the judge to a sore dilemma for however indifferent to actual consistency he was most anxious to save appearances he could not but recollect how violent he had been on former occasions in favour of these prosecutions and being sensible at the same time that the credit of the witnesses though shaken in the opinion of the more judicious was amongst the bulk of the people out of doors as strong as ever he had a difficult part to play his conduct therefore during the whole trial resembled the appearance of a vessel about to go upon another tack when her sails are shivering in the wind ere they have yet caught the impulse which is to send her forth in a new direction in a word he was so uncertain which side it was his interest to favour that he might be said on that occasion to have come nearer a state of total impartiality than he was ever capable of attaining whether before or afterwards this was shown by his bullying now the accused and now the witnesses like a mastiff too much irritated to lie still without baying but uncertain whom he shall first bite the indictment was then read and sir geoffrey peveril heard with some composure the first part of it which stated him to have placed his son in the household of the countess of derby 
a recusant papist for the purpose of aiding the horrible and bloodthirsty popish plot with having had arms and ammunition concealed in his house and with receiving a blank commission from the lord stafford who had suffered death on account of the plot but when the charge went on to state that he had communicated for the same purpose with geoffrey hudson sometimes called sir geoffrey hudson now or formerly in the domestic service of the queen dowager he looked at his companion as if he suddenly recalled him to remembrance and broke out impatiently these lies are too gross to require a moment's consideration i might have had enough of intercourse though in nothing but what was loyal and innocent with my noble kinsman the late lord stafford i will call him so in spite of his misfortunes and with my wife's relation the honourable countess of derby but what likelihood can there be that i should have colleagued with a decrepit buffoon with whom i have never had an instant's communication save once at an easter feast when i whistled a hornpipe as he danced on a trencher to amuse the company the rage of the poor dwarf brought tears in his eyes while with an affected laugh he said that instead of those juvenile and festive passages sir geoffrey peveril might have remembered his charging along with him at wigan lane on my word said sir geoffrey after a moment's recollection i will do you justice master hudson i believe you were there i think i heard you did good service but you will allow you might have been near one without his seeing you a sort of titter ran through the court at the simplicity of the larger sir geoffrey's testimony which the dwarf endeavoured to control by standing on his tiptoes and looking fiercely around as if to admonish the laughers that they indulged their mirth at their own peril but perceiving that this only excited farther scorn he composed himself into a semblance of careless contempt observing with a smile that no one feared the glance of a chained lion a magnificent simile which rather increased than diminished the mirth of those who heard it against julian peveril there failed not to be charged the aggravated fact that he had been bearer of letters between the countess of derby and other papists and priests engaged in the universal treasonable conspiracy of the catholics and the attack of the house at moltrosi hall with his skirmish with chiffinch and his assault as it was termed on the person of john jenkins servant to the duke of buckingham were all narrated at length as so many open and overt acts of treasonable import to this charge peveril contented himself with pleading not guilty his little companion was not satisfied with so simple a plea for when he heard it read as a part of the charge applying to him that he had received from an agent of the plot a blank commission as colonel of a regiment of grenadiers he replied in wrath and scorn that if goliath of gath had come to him with such a proposal and proffered him the command 
of the whole sons of anak in a body he should never have had occasion or opportunity to repeat the temptation to another i would have slain him said the little man of loyalty even where he stood the charge was stated anew by the counsel for the crown and forth came the notorious dr oates rustling in the full silken canonicals of priesthood for it was a time when he affected no small dignity of exterior decoration and deportment this singular man who aided by the obscure intrigues of the catholics themselves and the fortuitous circumstance of godfrey's murder had been able to cram down the public throat such a mass of absurdity as his evidence amounts to had no other talent for imposture than an impudence which set conviction and shame alike at defiance a man of sense or reflection by trying to give his plot an appearance of more probability would most likely have failed as wise men often to do in addressing the multitude from not daring to calculate upon the prodigious extent of their credulity especially where the figments presented to them involve the fearful and the terrible oates was by nature choleric and the credit he had acquired made him insolent and conceited even his exterior was portentous a fleece of white periwig showed a most uncouth visage of great length having the mouth as the organ by use of which he was to rise to eminence placed in the very centre of the countenance and exhibiting to the astonished spectator as much chin below as there was nose and brow above the aperture his pronunciation too was after a conceited fashion of his own in which he accented the vowels in a manner altogether peculiar to himself this notorious personage such as we have described him stood forth on the present trial and delivered his astonishing testimony concerning the existence of a catholic plot for the subversion of the government and murder of the king in the same general outline in which it may be found in every english history but as the doctor always had in reserve some special piece of evidence affecting those immediately on trial he was pleased on the present occasion deeply to inculpate the countess of derby he had seen as he said that honourable lady when he was at the jesuits college at st omers she had sent for him to an inn or auberge as it was there termed the sign of the golden lamb and ordered him to breakfast in the same room with her ladyship and afterwards told him that knowing he was trusted by the fathers of the society she was determined that he should have a share of her secrets also and therewithal that she drew from her bosom a broad sharp pointed knife such as butchers kill sheep with and demanded of him what he thought of it for the purpose and when he the witness said for what purpose she rapped him on the fingers with her fan called him a dull fellow and said it was designed to kill the king with 
here sir geoffrey peveril could no longer refrain his indignation and surprise mercy of heaven he said did ever one hear of ladies of quality carrying butchering knives about them and telling every scurvy companion she meant to kill the king with them gentlemen of the jury do but think if this is reasonable though if the villain could prove by any honest evidence that my lady of derby ever let such a scum as himself come to speech of her i would believe all he can say sir geoffrey said the judge rest you quiet you must not fly out passion helps you not here the doctor must be suffered to proceed dr oates went on to state how the lady complained of the wrongs the house of derby had sustained from the king and the oppression of her religion and boasted of the schemes of the jesuits and seminary priests and how they would be farthered by her noble kinsman of the house of stanley he finally averred that both the countess and the fathers of the seminary abroad founded much upon the talents and courage of sir geoffrey peveril and his son the latter of whom was a member of her family of hudson he only recollected of having heard one of the fathers say that although but a dwarf in stature he would prove a giant in the cause of the church when he had ended his evidence there was a pause until the judge as if the thought had suddenly occurred to him demanded of dr oates whether he had ever mentioned the names of the countess of derby in any of the previous informations which he had lodged before the privy council and elsewhere upon this affair oates seemed rather surprised at the question and coloured with anger as he answered in his peculiar mode of pronunciation whoa no my lard and pray doctor said the judge how came so great a revealer of mysteries as you have lately proved to have suffered so material a circumstance as the accession of this powerful family to the plot to have remained undiscovered my lard said oates with much effrontery i do not come here to have my evidence questioned as touching the plot i do not question your evidence doctor said scroggs for the time was not arrived that he dared treat him roughly nor do i doubt the existence of the plot since it is your pleasure to swear to it i would only have you for your own sake and the satisfaction of all good protestants to explain why you have kept back such a weighty point of information from the king and country my lord said oates i will tell you a pretty fable i hope answered the judge it may be the first and last which you shall tell in this place my lord continued oates there was once a foe who having to carry a goose over a frozen river and being afraid the ice would not bear him and his booty did carry over a stain my lord in the first instance to prove the strength of the ice so your former evidence was but the stone and now for the first time you have brought us the goose 
said sir william scroggs to tell us this doctor is to make geese of the court and jury i desire your lordship's honest construction said oates who saw the current changing against him but was determined to pay the score with effrontery all men know at what cost and price i have given my evidence which has always been under god the means of awakening this poor nation to the dangerous state in which it stands many there know that i have been obliged to fortify my lodging at whitehall against the bloody papists it was not to be thought that i should have brought all the story out at once i think your wisdom would have advised me otherwise nay doctor said the judge it is not for me to direct you in this affair and it is for the jury to believe you or not and as for myself i sit here to do justice to both the jury have heard your answer to my question dr oates retired from the witness-box reddening like a turkey-cock as one totally unused to have such accounts questioned as he chose to lay before the courts of justice and there was perhaps for the first time amongst the counsel and solicitors as well as the templars and students of the law there present a murmur distinct and audible unfavourable to the character of the great father of the popish plot everett and dangerfield with whom the reader is already acquainted were then called in succession to sustain the accusation they were subordinate informers a sort of under spur leathers as the cant term went who followed the path of oates with all deference to his superior genius and invention and made their own fictions chime in and harmonize with his as well as their talents could devise but as their evidence had at no time received the full credence into which the impudence of oates had cajoled the public so they now began to fall into discredit rather more hastily than their prototype as the superadded turrets of an ill-constructed building are naturally the first to give way it was in vain that everett with the precision of a hypocrite and dangerfield with the audacity of a bully narrated with added circumstances of suspicion and criminality their meeting with julian peveril in liverpool and again at martindale castle it was in vain they described the arms and accoutrements which they pretended to have discovered in old sir jeffrey's possession and that they gave a most dreadful account of the escape of the younger peveril from moltrosi hall by means of an armed force the jury listened coldly and it was visible that they were but little moved by the accusation especially as the judge always professing his belief in the plot and his zeal for the protestant religion was ever and anon reminding them that presumptions were no proofs that hearsay was no evidence that those who made a trade of discovery were likely to aid their researches by invention and that without doubting the guilt of the unfortunate persons at the bar he would gladly hear some evidence brought against them of a different nature 
here we are told of a riot and an escape achieved by the younger peveril at the house of a grave and worthy magistrate known i think to most of us why master attorney bring ye not master bridgenorth himself to prove the fact or all his household if it be necessary arising in arms is an affair over public to be left on the hearsay tale of these two men though heaven forbid that i should suppose they speak one word more than they believe they are the witnesses for the king and what is equally dear to us the protestant religion and witnesses against a most foul and heathenish plot on the other hand here is a worshipful old knight for such i must suppose him to be since he has bled often in battle for the king which i must say i suppose him to be unless he is proved otherwise and here is his son a hopeful young gentleman we must see that they have right master attorney unquestionably my lord answered the attorney god forbid else but we will make out these matters against these unhappy gentlemen in a manner more close if your lordship will permit us to bring in our evidence go on master attorney said the judge throwing himself back in his seat heaven forbid i hinder proving the king's accusation i only say what you know as well as i that de non apparentibus et non existentibus idem est ratio we shall then call master bridgenorth as your lordship advised who i think is in waiting no answered a voice from the crowd apparently that of a female he is too wise and too honest to be here the voice was distinct as that of lady fairfax when she expressed herself to a similar effect on the trial of charles i but the researches which were made on the present occasion to discover the speaker were unsuccessful after the slight confusion occasioned by this circumstance was abated the attorney who had been talking aside with the conductors of the prosecution said whoever favoured us with that information my lord had good reason for what they said master bridgenorth has become i am told suddenly invisible since this morning look you there now master attorney said the judge this comes of not keeping the crown witnesses together and in readiness i am sure i cannot help the consequences nor i either my lord said the attorney pettishly i could have proved by this worshipful gentleman master justice bridgenorth the ancient friendship betwixt this party sir geoffrey peveril and the countess of derby of whose doings and intentions dr oates had given such a deliberate evidence i could have proved his having sheltered her in his castle against a process of law and rescued her by force of arms from this very justice bridgenorth not without actual violence moreover i could have proved against young peveril the whole affray charged upon him by the same worshipful evidence here the judge stuck his thumbs into his girdle which was a favourite attitude of his on such occasions and exclaimed pshaw pshaw master attorney 
tell me not that you could have proved that or that or this prove what you will but let it be through the mouths of your evidence men are not to be licked out of their lives by the rough side of a lawyer's tongue nor is a foul plot to be smothered said the attorney for all the haste your lordship is in i cannot call master chiffinch neither as he is employed on the king's especial affairs as i am this instant certiorated from the court at whitehall produce the papers then master attorney of which this young man is said to be the bearer said the judge they are before the privy council my lord then why do you found on them here said the judge this is something like trifling with the court since your lordship gives it that name said the attorney sitting down in a huff you may manage the cause as you will if you do not bring more evidence i pray you to charge the jury said the judge i shall not take the trouble to do so said the crown counsel i see plainly how the matter is to go nay but be better advised said scroggs consider your case is but half proved respecting the two peverels and doth not pinch on the little man at all saving that dr oates said that he was in a certain case to prove a giant which seems no very probable popish miracle this sally occasioned a laugh in the court which the attorney-general seemed to take in great dudgeon master attorney said oates who always interfered in the management of these lawsuits this is a plain and absolute giving away of the cause i must needs say it a mere stoifling of the plot then the devil who bred it may blow wind into it again if he lists answered the attorney-general and flinging down his brief he left the court as if in a huff with all who were concerned in the affair the judge having obtained silence for a murmur arose in the court when the counsel for the prosecution threw up his brief began to charge the jury balancing as he had done throughout the whole day the different opinions by which he seemed alternately swayed he protested on his salvation that he had no more doubt of the existence of the horrid and damnable conspiracy called the popish plot than he had of the treachery of judas iscariot and that he considered oates as the instrument under providence of preserving the nation from all the miseries of his majesty's assassination and of a second saint bartholomew acted in the streets of london but then he stated it was the candid construction of the law of england that the worse the crime the more strong should be the evidence here was the case of accessories tried whilst their principal for which he should call the countess of derby was unconvicted and at large and for dr oates he had but spoke of matters which personally applied to that noble lady whose words if she used such in passion touching aid which she expected in some treasonable matters from these peverels and from her kinsmen or her son's kinsmen of the house of stanley may have been but a burst of female resentment dulcis amaryllidus ira as the poet hath it 
who knoweth but dr oates did mistake he being a gentleman of a comely countenance and easy demeanour this same rap with the fan as a chastisement for lack of courage in the catholic cause when peradventure it was otherwise meant as popish ladies will put it is said such neophytes and youthful candidates for orders to many severe trials i speak these things jocularly said the judge having no wish to stain the reputation either of the honourable countess or the reverend doctor only i think the bearing between them may have related to something short of high treason as for what the attorney-general hath set forth of rescues and force and i wot not what sure i am that in a civil country when such things happen such things may be proved and that you and i gentlemen are not to take them for granted gratuitously touching this other prisoner this galfridus minimus he must needs say he continued he could not discover even a shadow of suspicion against him was it to be thought so abortive a creature would thrust himself into depths of policy far less into stratagems of war they had but to look at him to conclude the contrary the creature was from his age fitter for the grave than a conspiracy and by his size and appearance for the inside of a rarey show than the mysteries of a plot the dwarf here broke in upon the judge by force of screaming to assure him that he had been simple as he sat there engaged in seven plots in cromwell's time and as he proudly added with some of the tallest men of england the matchless look and air with which sir geoffrey made this vaunt set all a-laughing and increased the ridicule with which the whole trial began to be received so that it was amidst shaking sides and watery eyes that a general verdict of not guilty was pronounced and the prisoners dismissed from the bar but a warmer sentiment awakened among those who saw the father and son throw themselves into each other's arms and after a hearty embrace extend their hands to their poor little companion in peril who like a dog when present at a similar scene had at last succeeded by stretching himself up to them and whimpering at the same time to secure to himself a portion of their sympathy and gratulation such was the singular termination of this trial charles himself was desirous to have taken considerable credit with the duke of ormond for the evasion of the law which had been thus effected by his private connivance and was both surprised and mortified at the coldness with which his grace replied that he was rejoiced at the poor gentleman's safety but would rather have had the king redeem them like a prince by his royal prerogative of mercy than that his judge should convey them out of the power of the law like a juggler with his cups and balls End of chapter forty one